In today's episode, we're discussing movie night. Hey everyone, welcome to the Papai Fatigue podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. Today we're discussing movie night, and I hadn't realized this was a thing uh, until I happened to have a conversation with a group of dads, only to find out at the time that I was the only dad or family that wasn't doing a movie night. So that was kind of a big eye opener to me. So in light of my relative newcomer status, because we've just kind of gotten underway with that, we've got Jim and Tim who are old hands at movie night, and I think are really going to advance this conversation. So before we get going, here's my deal. I'm Dave. I have an eight-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy. I'm Jim. I got a seven-year-old girl. She's almost eight and a five-year-old girl. And my name is Tim. And hey, I have an eight-year-old girl too. Oh, they're getting old fast, right? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, to kind of lay some groundwork here, we've just got a few recommendations that we found from Common Sense Media about movie nights in particular. And they had five basic uh, tips. They said the first one is schedule it and, you know, turn off those devices, no multitasking. Number two is take turns choosing the movie. Uh, specifically, you know, for young children, it might make sense to give them a list of movies that they can select so you're not watching the same movie over and over again. And then also, uh, you know, that take turns choosing, you know, enforce that no complaining rule. That's certainly an issue at my house. Uh, Location, you know, think about whether or not you want to do it at home, in the backyard, on the road, on a beach, on vacation, wherever, right? Make it a theme night. I love this one, right? So you can make French food while you watch Ratatouille or, you know, dress up if you're going to watch Harry Potter, just ways to kind of make it a little bit more fun. And then the last one is talk about it. So make time to chat about what you watched. And, you know, there's potentially a way to add some, you know, learning in there and reinforce your family values. So use the movie as a way to sort of progress that conversation. So with those kind of high level tips out of the way here, I'm really curious about how you guys, you know, started movie night, you know, how old your child or children were when you guys got started. Well. Um, I guess maybe I can start out. I kind of have a story attached to to the question. Um, uh, well, I remember, you know, just when we wanted to introduce our child to motion pictures, we wanted to do it in a big way to kind of make it into an event. And it's because it's easy to forget just how much of a phenomenon the moving picture image is, you know, being that we're saturated by it culturally. Um, so we wanted her first experience to be something memorable. So we, so one year during the international film festival, we looked for child specific content and we took her so she could have the experience of seeing a film for the first time on a big screen. And so um, we took her to see a film, this is kind of ambitious, but we took her to see a film called Path of the Soul, which was like a very slow documentary style film about a group of <laughs> Tibetan villagers <laughs> who go on a 750 mile pilgrimage to Lhasa, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just a little bit, a little ambitious, but what we liked about it was that there was no bombast. Um, you know, it was barely any dialogue at all. Actually, it was just a lot of shots of sprawling mountains and landscapes and wildlife interspersed with some quiet moments around campfires, but she was transported. You know, we all were. And she was just transfixed by this larger than life portrayal of life, which is movies, essentially. And I just remember she just stared and stared. And at the time, she was just three and a half years old. And it was around that time, I would say, that we also started watching movies on the weekend sometimes. Though it wasn't really frequent or regular enough to call it a movie night, per se. Um, I would say that didn't really become formalized 
and ritualized until the advent of the pandemic. So it's pretty recent for us too. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of what started it for us. Did you guys continue sort of going, I mean, obviously pre-pandemic, but so, you know, she had her first movie at three and a half. Did you then kind of continue to go see movies in the theater and then, then kind of transition into at home? Yeah. Whenever there was the opportunity to see it in a theater, we would opt for that just because again, it was kind of more for the experience of seeing a film, like the social uh, experience being in a, in a dark room with a bunch of strangers. I mean, when you think about it, there's something weird about it, but again, we take it for granted because it's just something that we grew up with. But um, the thing that inspired that us to do that was this film that I actually liked. called Spirit of the Beehive. And there's a scene in that movie where it takes place in Spain, like in the 40s, or I think even sooner. Actually, I think it's even sooner, where basically it's like this old village in Spain. And the big event for that town is when this man rides in uh, with uh, basically the moving picture projector. And they show, they project it on the wall, and all the kids, like all the villagers come and they watch this movie. That was like the big thing, right, for this village. He comes once a year with his moving pictures machine. And so they, I just remember the scene where they show all the kids, they show footage. This is real footage of, of real children who are about my daughter's age um, experiencing film for the first time. So it's kind of like an artsy film. Um, so none of this is affected. None of this is acted out. It's just the filmmaker decides to film children watching the film. And it was just, it's just an amazing piece of cinema just for that scene in itself. But I thought, you know, that's such a cool meditation on just the power of film. And and I think that's what the movie night, that's what we try to kind of bring to it when we, when we have a movie night. Yeah. I mean, I I like, it's funny because we, you know, we kind of jest about that first movie, but I like the fact that, it's sort of causing the question, your first movie night does not need to be a cartoon, right? Like it doesn't, well, right. I think right. that's the natural thing you think about, but as, as Tim points out, right, it doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't need to be some kind of easy to digest thing, right? Like it can be something that is more an event uh, of, a, of an event. And so I like how you've kind of come at it from a, certainly a very different uh, view, <laughs> view than I yeah, have. Little, yeah. She doesn't remember anything of that film, which I find kind of hilarious. <laughs> Well, Tim, it's interesting to hear you talk about the the magic of film because I hadn't really thought about that. But there is, uh, I mean, it is like it's like daydreaming, you know. And for a kid to see that to see that live action on the screen is pretty magical. And I do know that there there are some children that are very sensitive to film, and and uh, you know, I know one uh, little girl in particular that hasn't seen more than one movie just because it affects her very viscerally in a very sort of fundamental way, which just reminds me about how powerful this medium is, and you know how, as you say, how we take it for granted. So I, I've got a story too, but I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. Tim, you're taking things at the next level. <laughs> Start calling you professor, <laughs> professor dad. We had, uh, so it was, it was several years ago. I think it was, they were probably three and five and we were taking uh, swim lessons on a Friday night. And so it's the end of the week, you know, I pick them up from school and, you know, and then they, they do, they had half hour lessons back to back. And so by about six or six thirty, long day, long week. You know, they they maybe had a snack in the afternoon and they had just exhausted a bunch of calories doing their swim lessons. And so when they got out of the pool, it was like nuclear dynamite. It was just chaotic. They were just out of their minds with, you know, exhaustion and hunger. 
And so as a desperation move, we, we started to call to have the food delivered. So it was right there when we got home. So we could, you know, get the food for them. And then once we got the food, you know, then we put on the TV and then my wife and I could sit back and take a deep breath finally and, you know, worry about uh, putting our hair back into our heads. So that's, that's kind of how we started. And then, and then we turned it into, um, like a picnic thing. They've got a, a blanket, like an outdoor picnic blanket they put down in the living room. It's the only time that they can eat in the living room. So we get takeout, they sit on the, the floor, and then we we call it family movie night because we, we get to pick as a family. And mom and dad usually, you know, tip the scales one way or the other and kind of make a move because we're not going to watch the same Disney movie over and over again. I mean, they can, they can, we have a, a second movie night on Saturday nights where they can watch a movie after dinner. And then my wife and I can, you know, have some, some grown up time. Um, so on Friday night, we pick a movie together. We did, uh, you know, we did Flubber last night. We've done a lot of the classic musicals, gone through the Disney repertoire, just the the whole thing. So it started as an act of desperation. It's turned into a pretty, uh, wholesome and, and traditional weekend, uh, weekend routine. And it is, it's become an entitlement. And in that case, it's been a great stick for discipline. I mean, starting on Monday, like, Hey, hey, <laughs> you're going to lose movie night. And, uh, you know, we have actually stuck to that threat once or twice and it was devastating. Like that was, that's powerful parenting discipline right there. So that's kind of a win-win in all cases. It's, it's funny. I love how we all came at this completely different angles. Right? <laughs> so, I, like I mentioned before, right. I literally stumbled into like, for me, movie night was more of a FOMO issue because like I was on a call and all the dads were like, yeah, what'd you guys do for movie night? And I'm like, what is happening here? Like, this is a thing. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess maybe we need to be doing this also. And so that's literally how it happened for us is that, oh, okay, everybody else is doing this. Maybe this is something we should think about. And, um, you know, we, we, we tried it a little bit. Uh, I'll get into it a little bit later on, but it, it didn't quite work out for us the way I had imagined it would work out. And I think that's primarily due to the age difference of our kids. Um, but yeah, you know, I really just kind of stumbled into it, despite the fact that I have conversations with other parents all the time about what they're doing. This one sort of it kind of hadn't come to the forefront really until, you know, a little bit, I think it was a little bit before the pandemic. And so we actually got started um, in the pandemic because it was just one of those things that was like, oh, well, you know, here's an excuse. It'll be a fun way to kind of um, spend time as a family together. I- I'm curious, uh, you know, so Jim, we know <laughs> we know how uh, Movie Night started for you. But Tim, you know, so between having that experience in the theater the first time, you know, was it really the function of, all right, well, we're now in the pandemic, like, let's kind of bring this experience home or what made you decide to kind of have that experience in home? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I remember movie watching kind of took on another dimension when I can remember that it was when our daughter started going to preschool and when certain films started to have social currency for her, you know, certain cash when she would, arrive in the class and see some of her schoolmates wearing images of Elsa from Frozen or Ariel from Little Mermaid or some other Disney character on their clothes or on their backpacks. They'd bring in some toy. And then, of course, this made her very curious and she wanted to be part of this kind of this club, right? And it very quickly became a point of connection between her and other children. So that was another incentivizer. You know, we began exploring those kinds of movies a little more. And I, I also, you know, this was also around the time that she started to have a, a more kind of regular schedule where she would have to be somewhere every day of the week. So it was around this time that we started seeing watching movies as a reward for working hard and making it to the end of the week. Um, and I found that if the movie we were going to watch 
on Friday night was set towards the beginning of the week, then it also gave us, you know, like Jim said, it was something to look forward to. It becomes like a doorway into the weekend and sometimes even set the tone for the weekend. So that was kind of I think, the push, you know, that kind of made it into something more regular. So, yeah, I mean, I'm curious now, because also I, that is an interesting concept of sort of planning in advance and then having that thing to look forward to. Why don't you guys talk a little bit about how you guys, you know, what does movie night look for, look like for you? I mean, Jim, it sounds like you guys do takeout every night and, you know, the girls are on the floor and maybe the adults are in the chairs. But like, why don't you guys discuss a little bit about like what what it actually looks like for for, for your families? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, that's pretty much it. We're in the living room. We got the TV on. Girls sit on the floor with their their food, and we sit on the couch. And when they're done with their their food, they clear their plates and they'll come and snuggle with us on the couch. And it is it's good family time. We you know we put the phones down as you know as recommended, and uh, try to be present, have a shared experience together rather than just you know electronic babysitting while mom and dad do some other things. So it we try to make it a very intentional thing and uh, try to be present with it. And Tim, what about you guys? Uh, yeah, we generally watch movies on Friday nights. We try to set aside our Saturday nights for game night, though that doesn't always play out the way I plan it. Sometimes it turns into two movie nights, but you know that's that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah. for and then, are you guys um, cooking or takeout or how, what do you? Uh, yeah, our basic ritual is that I cook popcorn on the stove mm-hmm. in the old-fashioned way. Nice, and it's also the you know it's also the one day in the week where we drink soda mm-hmm. <laughs> and making it like an event because you know, mm-hmm. otherwise she's bouncing off the walls <laughs> yeah you know, it's any yeah. other day of the week um and during the lockdown last year ordering takeout did play more prominently mm-hmm. <laughs> it came more into play you know, usually from one of our favorite pizza places um but now that things are getting back to normal we're kind of going away from that and getting back on the whole popcorn and soda thing but we don't we don't have a a TV, uh, we, but I have a pretty big monitor on my laptop, so we tend to watch at my desk. <laughs> my, my my daughter gets the big the desk, or she gets the desk chair, and then my wife and I bring our dining room a uh, couple of dining room chairs and set them behind her because it's 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 movie night for everybody. But usually, mm-hmm. to be fair, it's usually kind of driven by her. <laughs> so she's in the captain seat, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's very kind of just theater set back. We're just kind of yeah, we're just set back, mm-hmm. and so she's got control of the mouse, and you know she, yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, we. <laughs> so you know we don't do it that frequently anymore. We did start off, you know, in the in the living room, and, and just like Jim, like that's the only time they're allowed to eat in the living room. I actually I also used uh, water bottles for them because we've had so many glasses of milk, right? Just knocked down on the floor. I'm like, all right, I don't want to do that anymore. But unlike Jim, we were not as good with the whole, like, shut everything out, no phones. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there were a few times where the kids were on the couch eating and my wife and I were sitting at a different table doing something completely different. And then it just, and then it really did become like the babysitting thing. And, and so for a few times we did embrace it. I'm like, all right, the kids, you guys go, you know, watch a movie like mom and I were going to go and eat in a different room and have an adult conversation for once. But then that sort of just kind of defeated the whole purpose of the family shared time. And so a combination of that, plus the fact that the kids could just never agree on movies because of their age differences is, is sort of, you know, we we kind of started to pull away from it. But that was what it would look like. And mm-hmm. for a little while, too, the kids uh, would also sit on the floor. We had these little TV tables also, so it was kind of the right size for each child to have their own little space. 
Um, and that's kind of how we did it. I'm, I'm curious because our movie night has changed over the course of time as, you know, we've tried different things and, and, and ultimately again, it, it didn't work for us, but have you guys kind of kept the, the movie night, like from its Genesis, has it mostly stayed the same since you, since its inception or has it sort of changed over time as either your children have grown or as the movies have changed or as you find things that didn't work? How has that happened? If at all? Yeah, I think we've stayed pretty much the same. I think the only thing, you know, back to what you said, as far as the movie night and the intentionality and all that, we, we do that thing on Sunday, on Saturday, mom and dad sit in the other room and the kids have the movie and it's great to have some away time. But for Friday, we try to find something that we're all going to watch together. And, and, uh, and like I said, we've been doing musicals. Here's what, here's how it's changed. We went through the entire repertoire of Disney movies and had to start digging into the deep cuts. So we've been, <laughs> we've been looking at, you know, we've gone through the Mary Poppins and, uh, you know, the the musicals, Singing in the Rain, uh, White Christmas we did around Christmas time, things like that. So, it, and it's not so, so long as the and kids are, in my opinion, are pretty fascinated by anything, you know, to, to your point, Tim, it's just, it's fascinating to watch TV. So for us, it's about having everyone in a shared experience. And I think that's been, you know, at the beginning it was, God help us, we got to deal with these <laughs> nuclear kids. Uh, and now it's evolved into a really, you know, it's a, it's become a special family time and we try to make it that way. And it doesn't really matter what we're watching. That's pretty cool. Um, I would say that for me, it's changed. The death, the pandemic definitely changed it. Um, you know, just not being able to go out and do stuff back then made it more like a survival mechanism, uh, a kind of escape hatch from the whole COVID nightmare. But, you know, you could just hide there for a couple hours <laughs> yeah. a week. Um, so since then it has become kind of a permanent feature and seems to be here to stay now. Um, but something else that I've seen change as our daughter gets older, she's becoming more curious about, um, like after the film, for instance, if there's an actor in the film that she really liked, and I think this may have to do with the way that we're watching, um, cause we're on a laptop. She'll want to go on Google and, and Google the character, like the actor's name or see what other movies they were in or, um, or even if it's a, if it's an animation that she really likes, like a Miyazaki animation, right? Suddenly it'll just stoke her interest in everything that he made. And so then that'll help even kind of guide, what, <clears throat> excuse me, it'll even help guide what we're going to see next. So, um, so that, that's changed as she gets older and, and you can actually see how she's processing these films differently. It's, it is entertainment, but then it seems like she, she's able to um, kind of be a little bit detached enough to where at the end, she wants to look into the technical aspects of it. Like, who is that actor? And I really liked what they did. It's interesting. It's like, like literally a window into a new world. Yeah. Tim, I'm curious, how do you guys choose movies? So it sounds like your daughter's choosing most of the movies. And so, you know, kind of you bring up this whole concept of like, sometimes she's, I guess, almost leapfrogging from movie to movie because it's either a subject or an actor that she's interested in. Is that um, pretty frequent that that's how you guys choose the movies, that it, one thing leads to another? Or kind of what is the process and how much of the parents do you guys right. weigh in on the choices? Well, I mean, I, de I definitely have to say um, it's pretty stressful <laughs> just trying to figure out what to watch and, and just in large, in large part because of the algorithm, you know, just uh, it's thrown at you with a lot of these streaming services. 
it, they kind of try to make the choice or, or they throw these choices in your face that you would never have made. You would never have chosen. But then once your child sees it, it's there. You, it, it's this uh, Pandora's box that's always open, you know. So what, what I did to try to alleviate that was we've actually, we have created the list, um, you know, the movie list. That, uh, and it includes movies that we have seen as well as movies that we want to see. And it's, I'm just amazed always at how long that list is. Um, but as we discover, and as we discover and hear about movies or other things we want to watch, we add them to that list. And then usually at some point during the week, I'll consult the list, you know, pick three or four movies from it. And then we watch the trailers, we discuss them, we read about them. So then, you know, there is kind of a democratic process to how we pick the movies. Um, and there are three of us in my household, so that means one of us is going to lose to the other two. That's just the way <laughs> is, it is. Is it, is it mostly you as the dad losing all the time to the, to the two girls? Um, yeah, usually. <laughs> <laughs> They're ganging up on you. Um, but there are other times when one of us wins out just through sheer will. And, uh, <laughs> so, do you, you know <laughs> I can imagine you guys make, you're stating your case to the family. This is why we should watch this movie, and here are all the reasons. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> Jim. What about yourself? How do you guys pick movies? Yeah, I like your your point about the algorithm, and it does take a little bit of uh, you know. There's a lot of times we got to steer them away from what's the next thing that's coming up. And I think you had said, some, said something earlier, Tim, about um, about kind of getting into a vein. And so we did that. You know, we watched the uh, uh, Totoro. Um, you know, my neighbor Totoro, and then there was a couple others in there. We haven't seen Spirited Away yet, but. You know, we'll, we'll hit that, again, outside of the Disney, whatever they call it, Disney uh, folio, portfolio, uh, we'll find these other things and kind of do some deep dives. We've done things like, I don't know, Babe and uh, uh, another, some other live action movies with dogs and cats and things like that that, um, that are outside of that outside of that realm. I am usually the guy that loses uh, when we're taking picks. Um <laughs> You know, I try to I try to steer things in a certain direction, but uh, but really, if they're not into it, they're not going to watch it. So, uh, but we do have to have agreement. The girls uh, both have to agree on the film. If I'm not going to hear any complaining or whining or anything back and forth, if you want to watch it, you got to agree between each other which one of these you're going to watch, and then you know, mom and dad kind of give the final approval. I, I'm curious what the negotiation is between an almost eight year old and an and a five-year-old like is like is it is it what you would expect or like how how does that oh, work it's, this isn't uh this isn't courtroom drama i mean it's <laughs> it's exactly what you would expect <laughs> the same sort of persuasive techniques that a, that a five-year-old has that's the one nice okay that's good yeah i mean this is so this is the reason why family night ultimately fell apart at my place which is the kids could never agree on a movie and i think that our son is He's just a lot more sensitive to stuff. And also just in general, he's a little bit, he's a lot more stubborn uh, when it comes to everything, food, everything. So he's just kind of set in his ways, which we're trying to work on. Uh, but, you know, so our, our daughter wants to watch something and, you know, I'll show our son a clip and he's like, I don't want to watch that. I'm like, well, you know, why not? He's like, I just don't want to watch that. <laughs> so we're kind of back to, you know, square one. And so for a while they would choose something together and then like 10 minutes in, he would get scared or be like, I'm done with this. And so for a little while, then he would go off and do a, a different movie on a different device. And I'm like, again, now we've we sort of lost the whole point of the family time. Now we may as well just call it screen time and be done with it. So we did that for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks. And I'm like, this is this is stupid. Like, this is the antithesis of what we're trying to accomplish here. So at that point, 
I pivoted real hard into documentaries, uh, specifically animal, like uh, Disney Plus has all the behind the scenes at the zoo, which that actually worked pretty well. And I could just tell them, here's here's what we're watching. It's this or nothing. Take your pick. And that worked out tremendously well for a while. Uh, but after a while, it just became not worth the drama that it was causing. Uh, and I think that when he's maybe a little bit older, we'll try and reintroduce it. But right now, you know, his speed is really like Octonauts and, you know, some of the like there's a Jim Henson show on Netflix that, you know, he's really into sort of that really preschool kind of stuff. And, you know, the eight year old is like, I want to watch Descendants or, you know, she's just kind of ready for just things that are he just can't really grasp his head around. And even some of the animated stuff, you know, it's surprising how scary it can be to a five year or almost five year old. And so we just I was never really able to get him to agree other than on some documentaries. And that's kind of how we that's how we ended up ours uh, with that. We those are good movies, too. We we went through the whole repertoire of the David Attenborough nature films, you know, there's, well, there's maybe three sets. These got about eight movies in them. That filled up a lot of time. And I, I felt like that was a great cross-section. Everybody liked those. Everybody enjoyed them. I, you know, I did certainly more than some of the Disney films and the the girls were fascinated. And and again, at that age, I mean, just seeing these sort of animals and environments that are just so far outside of their imagination, they just had never even conceived of anything like that. It's, there's a little bit of magic there to see that happen. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, documentaries are, are just, you can't, it's, it's hard to lose with those. Um, but in, in terms, we don't, in, because we have an only, you know, we don't have to deal with kind of the tug of war between two kids, which is, um, I can't even begin to imagine. Uh, but we still, we still have our, our, we definitely still have to, to deal with diplomacy and, and, and practicing all that. Um, so we, we do try to keep an open mind because, um, I mean, Sometimes it has, to, sometimes it comes, you know, the, the challenge can come from us, the adults, you know, and I have to remind myself that my eight-year-old is naturally going to want to watch something that my wife and I just do not need in our lives, you know, <laughs> and that's okay <laughs> once in a while, you know, <laughs> you know and, and, and I have to always remind myself that in allowing for that, um, she gets the joy of having some autonomy and feeling like her choices and the decision-making process actually matter, which is, I think is important in her development. And, uh, you know, we get to see the joy of seeing her enjoy it, you know? So in some cases, that's all we get out of it, but again, that's okay. Um, <laughs> I guess that's what being a parent is, right? <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I think one requirement that we have, and it, it's pretty much the main requirement, it's just being careful that the content isn't teaching her things that go against values that we try to teach her at home. And sometimes that'll sneak up on you, you know, be watching it. And then all of a sudden we'll take this turn, but we're usually it's pretty good. I mean, we try to vet everything before we actually watch it. You know, we read reviews, we watch reviews on YouTube. And um, so, you know, also our daughter's threshold for scary stuff um, is still pretty low as well. So we try not to watch content that might give her nightmares later. And again, sometimes that's easier said than done since things that trigger her could be totally unexpected. Like, for example, we tried to watch E.T., the extraterrestrial, with her once a few months, like a couple of months ago. And she was just so weirded out that we had to turn it off about halfway through. And then I looked at it and I was like, yeah, he is kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you're eight, that guy's a little terrifying. <laughs> 
Yeah, but then there's other movies where a scary part comes up and she doesn't bat an eyelid. So who knows? You know, we, we just try to keep that in mind you know, when we're choosing movies. Yeah, we lean pretty heavily on the common sense media. And, you know, because there are, there are those things that I wouldn't know until they're halfway through the movie. And once they, once they come up, then it's a little bit too late. So I try to get mm-hmm. a, a preview or a pre-review before we start it. Yeah, so you guys have started to touch on it already, but you know, Jim, you kind of mentioned you're kind of running towards the end of the list of movies. But what you know, mm-hmm. what do you guys do to find good movies? So common sense. Uh, it sounds like Jim, you've sort of exhausted the catalog. But how did you get there? And I'm curious if either of you guys are showing your kids some of the movies that maybe we grew up with, you know, uh, from the '80s, like you know, Flight of the Navigator is something I remember as a kid watching. Just be like, that's the coolest movie in the world. Like, are you guys starting to dip into the childhood favorites or, you know, how do you select movies at this point? So there, so common sense media has films sorted by age. And so that's usually a good first place to go. And the, you know, they've got the parental, what, what age the parents think the movie should be for. And then what age the kids think the movie should be for, which I'm not sure how that, how they get that, that data, but the kid uh, ages seem to be, pretty good. So, you know, parents may say it's for five-year-olds, kids say it's for seven-year-olds. It turns out to be fine for both our five and our seven-year-old. Uh, there are also just internet searches where there are lists of like the hundred best kids movies, things like that. And there are a lot that that we have not got to think Gremlins, right? Uh, E.T., Flight of the Navigator, Goonies, you know, we're waiting to show them something like that. We haven't even touched the, the Star Wars repertoire yet. I don't know how to really explain that to a seven-year-old. That's just... <laughs> That's way outside of any experience that I could relate to as far as they are concerned. So, uh, and then, you know, talking to other dads, frankly, I mean, Tim, you got some great ideas that I'm going to, I'm going to pull from and just to see what other people are watching. And there is some, some currency about it. The, uh, as you said earlier, some of the, the latest films that come out, uh, you know, there's a new Disney movie there's a new, I guess it was the Pixar movie, the Mitchell versus the machines. That's a, that's a new one that people are talking about. So, um, we try to go from both ends, go from the catalog and then kind of hear what other people are talking about. The man on the street kind of. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we do common sense. Yeah. That's a great resource. Common sense media. We, we pretty much, uh, yeah, because like you said, it goes by age and genre and it's great because it even has sub genres. Like it goes into foreign films for kids, which is cool. Um, if you want to just cool. My my daughter loves subtitles now because now that she can read pretty good, she really likes subtitles. That's um, cool. Yeah, so that's something. To, I mean, because then it becomes also somewhat educational, just helping them with their reading, even when they're being entertained, which is kind of kind of a two for one. Um, Metacritic. Uh, that's, that's I find that's also a good online resource, and it's been around for a long time. And they rank their films by a user score, um, and and uh, what's cool about IMDb Family Entertainment Guide is that it pretty much lists every movie that's ever existed. Um, so it's, it's and, and again, you, if you go into like the Family Entertainment Guide, it, it starts going into like the Charlie Chaplin films. And like, I mean, it goes all, it goes really far back. Just, and so you also get a history lesson just on, again, on film. And you're reminded, man, this, this, this has been around for a long time, you know. Um, let me think. Oh yeah. Like you said, uh, Dave, you know, there's those movies that, that my wife and I saw, you know, when we were young and that made big impressions on us. So you know, those are certainly on our list. Um, the never ending story. We, we showed that one to our daughter. She loved it. She thought that was, was a great film. 
But yeah, there's other ones that we're kind of holding off on, just waiting till she's a little bit older because yeah, they have that, that scary element to them. But we also saw like the the, the original Muppet movie a couple of weeks back. She loved that. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and these these are movies again that um, that we saw um, when we were younger and really enjoyed. And I've also recently discovered that there's quite a few movies that my daughter has seen but doesn't remember seeing <laughs> from when she was younger. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's been real fascinating, just learning about those and revisiting them, you know. Um, and as far as what we watch, I, I think my rule of thumb has always been to try to keep my daughter's interests broad, whether it be with books or TV or watching our movies, you know, just keep try not to oversaturate ourselves with the same type of content because then it starts to become kind of predictable and stale. Jim, you mentioned that earlier as well, but we try to run the gamut. You know, we try to watch the blockbusters, but we also try to watch movies about music. For instance, we might watch a concert or a documentary about music or about nature or cooking or even architecture. Um, um, My my daughter's had this new fascination with, with architecture. So we, what showed her like a day in the life of Zaha Hadid, you know, the architect. Uh, and she's from Iraq. You know, so things like that, you know, we go all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you guys have uh, like a fav- uh, favorite streaming service or how are you guys all consuming your your movies? I think I'm the easy one. I'm guessing Tim's got some uh, some esoteric <laughs> catalog of gems that you can pull from. Yeah, we... <laughs> We use it, didn't, I'm kind of, uh, I'm a little resentful about that. You know, we spent all that money on Apple TV to buy the movies that now we just get, you know, for $4 a month with Disney Plus. So we got Apple TV, Disney Plus, and then uh, Netflix usually. And there may be a couple of, there's Amazon Prime we have to go to every once in a while for uh, particularly documentaries that aren't available elsewhere. Yeah, I, I find Amazon Prime kind of has one of the larger pools of available movies. Um, though we do, we, we use them all, but I, I find that, Amazon Prime is kind of almost the default. Um, and, and, but I, it's funny because I find with all these services it, uh, services, it often has to do with timing, right? Like I found with all of them that there are times when you want to watch something and then you learn that you no longer stream it. <laughs> In which case you have to, again, do the deep internet dive before you can <laughs> find it. You're like, I want to see that movie, you know? And then, then it has less to do with the service you like and more to do with who actually has it. So I don't know if I have a favorite per se. Jim, you had mentioned uh, in some previous podcasts, I can't remember what what we were talking about grandparents and what we plan to do over the summer. And I just wanted to revisit that because I think you guys were planning to do some outdoor movie nights. And I'm just wondering if that's, if you guys are still on track for that or if that's happened or, you know, if that's, if you're still planning to do that this year. Yeah, I I can't wait. We're starting to get into some warmer weather uh, for our area that may be Maybe nice to have some outdoor movies. So, Tim, we uh, my mother-in-law bought us a digital projector so we could watch films outside. And I think she got it particularly for COVID so that we could watch movies together and be outdoors and be socially distanced and things like that. And it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, that's uh, you start at the twilight or the dusk and pop, pop some popcorn, put out some lawn chairs. It's a lot of fun. So we haven't had a whole lot of warm weather lately, but as it starts to warm up, I think we're going to start doing that on on Saturday nights. And it's we'll invite the neighbor kids over, and there's a couple other kids around by uh, nearby that uh, they can come over and kind of make it a like a small family block party. I've been trying to get my kids to the drive-in, and it just keeps them down. Yeah, but that's that is an experience that I feel like. You know, you're an American kid. You gotta, you gotta go drive it at least once. Like it's a mm-hmm. thing here. You've been to a couple, haven't you? I've only been to a couple, um, and none with my daughter. My 
Well, actually, no, that's not true. We went to one this year, I guess, during the pandemic. But um, we went to go see Monsters, Inc., which they have watched at home. And within about 10 minutes in, they're both freaking out. I don't know, maybe because it was too big. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're trapped. in the middle of the night. And right. it's dark. Well, we're, and now we're trapped, right? Because our, our car is, yeah, we right. can't get out of the lot. And so now I'm like, all right, well, I guess the kids are going to watch Netflix in the car. And I will watch Monsters, <laughs> Inc. with my wife. And that is exactly what happened. So, yes, they, they watched something else on Netflix in the car while we, while we finished the Monsters, <laughs> Inc. And, yeah, that was the first and last drive-in that we went to this year. So I don't know. We might have to wait a couple of years to give it another run. But um, yeah, I've always been like, Let, let's do that. That'll be fun. Jim and I have talked about this of like people that we've known who've grown up without any TV or, or pop culture. And again, like one of my friends, you know, she married this guy who didn't watch any TV growing up. His parents were professors, no movies. And so, you know, at the age of like 30 something, you know, she's like, okay, we're going to watch Goonies. We're going to watch Back to the Future. Like this is, you are a child of the 80s and this is part of your culture. So you might be 30, but you're going to go learn it now. And I think that's, yeah. You know, there is something to that where, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that necessarily he looks back now on it and misses it. But I, I got to believe that certainly when you're whatever, 8, 9, 10, 15, and everyone's talking about that movie and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. There probably yeah. is something to that where you're like... This sucks. Why won't my parents yeah. let me? Why won't my parents let me participate? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's kind of what got us on board with it. Again, as soon as, as soon as she started going to um, the school, it was school. I, I can like track it and mm-hmm. pinpoint it. So like that was when it. We had to have a conversation about it because we yeah we're we're not because we knew there would be time. It's just going to come, but just by design you know she will eventually be exposed to these things you can't really shield them especially when you live in a city you've got billboards everywhere you've got mm-hmm. people with t-shirts and backpacks and you know and i'd rather that sh- we offer it than her feel like she's missing out on it and like try to sneak it like i don't want her to feel like it's wrong or something or like or to start judging other kids because well you watch <laughs> sounds like a drug conversation <laughs> What was that? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Sounds like a drug conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like dealing out the dealing out right. the stuff. No, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I just found that yeah. I don't. I didn't want her to be socially too socially excluded. Excluded. Yeah, you know, because yeah. uh, I mean, you just don't know how it's going to play out right. in the school setting. It's like Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I, I I have no interest in Pokemon, but I know my kids' classmates do. So that kind of made me have to. Well, let's 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 understand this Pokemon thing. Let's right. know the rules. Let's and I and now she kind of goes in and she's got some knowledge, and I think that's helpful for her. You know, Dave and I have talked about that. I I I have to do that. I got to get the rules because I don't want anybody taking advantage of my girl. You know, like tricking her into giving up the big cards. <laughs> yeah. Totally. You know what I think was interesting about this conversation is I I think back about the types of movies that our kids are watching well i guess primary your kids are watching but you know one, one thing that i've noticed here is and again sort of the age appropriateness is is two things right one is that uh we don't have any boys because i do feel like mm-hmm. the boys mm-hmm. have started watching things that to me are i'm not saying they're necessarily age inappropriate but i'm like yeah my daughter's not ready for that like i think yeah. a lot of the star, boys, wars. Right, star wars in particular it feels Avengers. like a lot of the boys have seen that yeah. and i think also you know with our our girls being uh you know the ones in particular we're talking about being the oldest of the kids you know one thing that i do see is right in some of our daughter's classmates 
when they're the younger of the sibling, you know, also at that point, they've watched more things that are older, Mm -hmm. right? Simply because the older child is maybe 10 or 11 years old. And so the younger one gets to tag along. And so I think that's kind of interesting how it, it, it does sort of frame our world in terms of what we believe is age appropriate. And I, I am curious to know, like, I mean, obviously we'll never know for sure, but if our oldest was a boy, if, mm-hmm. if we'd be talking about completely different set of movies at this point. Um, yeah. So I just, I thought that um, was interesting. I, I, I mean, I've actually, I've seen like firsthand how that it's so important that they're exposed when the time is right, because if they're not, it can, it, it, these things influence you, you know, mm-hmm. and it, sometimes, and, and sometimes these kids don't even know how, like what, what's happening to them. Right. 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 Um, I know a kid who, yeah, her older sibling was a few, few years older. So he was already into hunger games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so she, she knew the books, she knew the movies. And this was like a couple of years ago, but she's a classmate, you know, with my, with, with my daughter, you know, and, and so this, you know, her whole outlook on things was shaped by that in terms of relationships to people. I was really, I found it really fascinating, like a very interesting kind of social. Uh, it, was, it was interesting to see that. And it made, it kind of gave me pause. I was like, wow, you know, I really need to pay attention to this stuff. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, it will affect them in ways that they don't even understand, you know. And, and when they're yeah. so young, like, you know, they're their minds are being kind of molded. Um, so it's important. You know. Have you thought about uh, the Harry Potter series? Cause you know, Jim and I were just talking about this. Like, you know, it feels like the first couple of books, mm-hmm. you know, our kids could probably handle, but you know, starting around, you know, book five with Cedric Diggory, like that's like, I'm definitely okay. not ready for my daughter to be, you know, going through that. But have, has that started to kind of come up in your conversations? Has your daughter asked about any of that? Or are you guys thinking about that? I, you know that's an interesting that's an interesting um series do do you think that well this is kind of a, a question to your question do you think those books were written to grow with the reader yeah i've wondered that yeah i feel like it and i i think that's also why she has such a following like if you look at those kids that grew up during that series they're all like yes this this was my childhood like i i progressed in life and yes i grew mentally with these fictional characters. And I think that's why she's created such a powerful fandom for a generation of kids who can sort of, you know, identify with the overarching messages that she's providing, even if it's not, you know, even if it's a wizarding world. You know, I think we forget sometimes that because um, when those, those books, they had to wait long stretches for each mm-hmm. volume. And so they were growing up as these, as they were waiting for the next publication, like the next part of the series right we have it all kind of compounded now we have the volume we, we're getting to end so you could just blow through them if you wanted mm-hmm. but yeah now, now that i'm thinking about it it's like the people who grew up with that series as it was coming out in real time they had to wait so by the time they came they were of the age to read them like they're at the appropriate age to read them so i think and that's where yeah it takes a certain amount of self-control there are movies, a lot of movies that you want them to see, but you're like, oh, this is such a cool movie. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. she, is she yeah. in the right age, though? Yeah, I, I am curious. What kinds of movies Yeah, have you guys really connected with or your, your daughter really connected with? Uh, I have to go through <laughs> my list. I have to look at my list. <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> you've got such a diverse list. But 
Yeah, I mean, you know, going back to the point where, you know, Jim is kind of running out of ideas, you know, hey, Tim, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up the 1938 Beekeeper movie. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> well, that wasn't really, that's not really a children's movie. It was just a right, movie. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah but, but, it, but, it, but that scene, you could probably find that one scene on YouTube. It's yeah. an amazing scene. The movie is called, again, it's called um, Spirit of the Beehive. Mm-hmm. But the, um, so one movie that, she really connected my daughter really connected with was uh nausicaa the valley of the wind um she's watched it several times and, and again it's it's a my it's a um a Miyazaki film and in my opinion it's it's a good starter film for that for that um it's a genre unto itself but i think that's a good starter film it's just uh the animation's not too weird. I think it's his first animation, actually. And I think it's the only one that was a manga first. And then he turned it, it then he went into animation with that particular film. Um, so that one impressed. What about you, Jim? Which, which ones? One that they connected to? That's, that's hard to say. Um, it's probably more the nature ones. I mean, they were, those were the ones that they had uh, more of a, whole body connection to rather than just watching the Disney cartoons. You know, there was something, uh, it, it was like they were becoming part of a bigger world as opposed to just being sucked into a cartoon. Is, is anybody using, so it's, I think it's, you know, one thing to have the documentaries about, you know, the world and animals and stuff like that. Are, are you guys starting to introduce movies as teaching moments, right? So there are a number of movies, right? Where that there's a specific message and that's what the movie is about, whether it's identity or, you know, all sorts of things. Is that, are you starting to line those up or is it like, those are maybe the next round of movies um, and that maybe the kids are not quite there yet, but almost there. Um, I definitely do uh, look for that. And I mean, I've always looked for that and kind of in the same way that when you read a story, um, you want to kind of have a moral at the end of the story. Um, so, I, so I try to keep that same principle with films, especially when they're this young. Um, so I think, again, um, Nausicaa, speaking to that film, has that message. Um, she also really connected with Searching for Bobby Fischer. That one, and, and I think now is the perfect time to show a film like that. The protagonist is seven years old. It's a boy. Um, and, I don't know if you're familiar with it too much, but yeah, it's about chess. And, but it's also about um, just what it means to win, about the competitive spirit, kind of what drives you to win. So, but it's presented in a very subtle and thoughtful um, way. And she really connected with that one. Tim, I'm curious. You know, we had the last time I had you on the, we, we had you on the podcast, we were talking about game night and one of the the sort of takeaways from game night was you know it's great to be able to have conversations like you know when the game is done like you know you made this move like what did you learn from the game you know how would you play differently and and you have those conversations with your daughters as you guys are playing games right which i think reinforces the learning i'm curious are you also doing that with movies where at the end of the movie you know you're having a conversation did you agree with that you know character what they did why do you think they made that decision? You know, so beyond just the like, how did you like it? Like, are you having those sort of teachable kind of conversations 
every night. I mean, obviously not all movies, you know, are, are, are built for that, but is that kind of also part of your process? Sometimes, but not always, you know, again, we, we do make space for just goofy movies that have no redeeming value beyond just um, getting a laugh out of you and just being entertained, you know, but, but we do also create a space for that as well, you know, because um, yeah, I'm trying to think of another instance. Yeah. For instance, the, I guess you can call them movies. It was a documentary series called the most dangerous ways to school that we saw. Um, it came out a few years ago, but we watched it. Um, I think it was towards the beginning of the pandemic when we started to watch the series, but it's literally a, a movie about kids from different parts of the world who are about my daughter's age, who all um, take these really harrowing and dangerous journeys to get to a classroom every day. And so, again, the, the, the lesson that we were trying to just teach, I mean, we live like four blocks away from our school. <laughs> it takes nothing to get there. But I wanted her to see the value of education in that and how in some parts of the world, children really will go to great lengths to get that education. And it's not always easy to come by. So for, for us, and it was a really exciting series to watch. I mean, it just had you at the, on the edge of your seat. And because these kids are so young, she could relate to them and we're all rooting for them. And um, so, yeah, we, we, we do seek out stuff. Um, at times that we think she can use. And sometimes it has to do with things she's experienced at school. Um, so we'll look for things that might relate to maybe an experience that she had at school, like maybe that it deals with bullying. We'll look for a movie that addresses bullying in a positive way and where you might have a protagonist that deals with that challenge that she can look at as kind of a, a model or something. We definitely, we have done that. What was the name of the movie, The Kids Going to School? Uh, the It's called The Most Dangerous Ways to School. It's mm-hmm. a series. Okay. Each, each episode is about I think, 30 minutes. I believe there's six episodes. It's it's really, it's, I, I highly recommend it, I think. Yeah, we'll check it out. Yeah, you guys would really, I think the kids would enjoy it. I'm, I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on sort of the Disney, the old school Disney movies of like, since we all have daughters, right? The whole like, oh, help me. I'm, you know, I, I need the strong prince to come and save me. Like, do, do you guys, is that okay to, or have you kind of intentionally steered away from that? Or you're like, yeah, whatever. She wants to watch it. She wants to watch it. Like, that's just part of, you know, it, whatever. I mean, I, I'm curious about that, I guess. We started with, uh, you know, with the Frozen movie, which I think is great because it's about sisters, you know, it's about sister love. And then, you know, both Frozen, Frozen 2 had some sort of positive messages as far as, uh, you know, the male character Sven and his relationship with, uh, with Anna, it seemed, it seemed pretty healthy. And then the other ones, things like Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. I mean, I think we've, we've maybe watched those once or twice and they just, they don't really get it, you know? So it's, I don't feel like they're being indoctrinated in any way with those <laughs> movies. They just, and watching them now as an adult, they're pretty weird. So that's, those are ones that we've gone back to more than once. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is a, it's something that I pay attention to in, in these movies and try to, find movies that have powerful female characters and that, uh, you know, show cor- courageous actions and things like that. Yeah. When my daughter was born, I think I went out and bought a whole bunch of like the old classic Disney movies. Cause I'm like, we should watch this. 
And then I think, right, as you sort of grow into your fatherhood, you're like, whoa, that's like not yeah, right. appropriate at all. <laughs> yeah. And you don't Pinocchio, recognize man, it. we haven't watched Pinocchio. That's oh. a... Right, it's a sick movie. Yeah, like the kids are getting drunk. Like, but but I, yeah. I didn't turning into it. donkeys and yelling for their mom. Right. You know, oh, it, it, yeah, it, heartbreaking. But I think part of it is you don't realize it because you had seen it when you were whatever, like seven years right. old, exactly. and it's like forty yeah. years later or whatever, thirty years later. You're like, yeah, this was so inappropriate. Yeah, um, Peter Pan too. Was, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I have them, but they're just you know, it's not something I'm like, hey kids, like let's go watch this. <laughs> but yeah, it's because mostly you. You just sort of forget how inappropriate they were I mean, different times. Mm-hmm. Right. But you, you're like, yeah, this is not something I really want my kids to be watching. So this is going to steer them. Let's, let's watch this thing instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're definitely alive at a very good time in terms of like the, the Disney canon, right? Like mm-hmm. at your point, Jim, they, they've really done a good job of just balancing it out. Uh, having a, a good, a very diverse, um, kind of a line of, of different heroes and heroines to, to choose from. And uh, yeah, and each one very unique, each, each story kind of telling it's a very unique uh, story and giving its own unique lessons. Whereas before it was definitely more cookie cut, definitely mm-hmm. very, right. very predictable in terms They're of- They're all grim fairy tales or Aesop's yeah. fables, things like that. Yeah, and they didn't deviate too much. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen Raya, I know Jim you have, but- um... I think Raya's not a princess, right? She's one of the, f- and I think also Moana is not a, well, no, I guess what she's, right. well, I guess the dad's the chieftain, right? But I think they right. started to move away from also just that princess classification, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, well, it, you know, they, they're both, they're like warrior princesses, you know? So they are technically princesses, but they're not damsels in distress. Right. Which I think was the kind of. <laughs> the hero princesses, you know? <laughs> yes. Well, the, in the, in the princess Leia mold, right? Like I don't, I don't right. need other people to come save me. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, it's funny. We, we've taken sometimes <laughs> I will deconstruct things for my daughter and me. Like I'll ask her because something that, that I found really strange um, is how Disney princesses often don't have a mother, or, yeah, or, yeah, or, the, mother, or the mother is just not present. You know, or or just or she's kind of hanging in the background, or mm-hmm. they're just it, or there's a stepmother. Even now, like with the newer film, and I've. So my, I take opportunities like that to ask, to tell my daughter, because now that she's seen enough of them, I'll just say like, have you ever noticed about all these films? Yeah. Why do you think that is? You know, and so we'll have weird conversations. First rule of Disney, kill the parents. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to go. So at least one person's got to go. The, da- the dad usually factors in pretty strongly, but the mom, True. for some reason, I, I mean, I, and I, you know, my daughter actually will come with these, sometimes she'll come with these observations that just, I never thought of that. So mm-hmm. part of it is just, for selfish reasons, like, <laughs> do you have a, do you have a point of view that I just don't have on this matter? Because I I haven't I still haven't reconciled that in my own brain. You know, maybe you guys can help me with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand Disney at all. My my theory about Disney is that they have a warehouse of like three to seven year olds, and they just show them films all day long, and this and see which ones make them drool with interest. And he's like, "That's it. Let's that's, make that movie. That's the one." <laughs> So I'm curious if you guys um, have any advice for people just starting out with movie night. Again, it, you know, it seems like you guys have kind of been through it a few times. And, and also, I think because you have very distinct ways you've approached it. And I'm, I'm curious kind of what your advice would be for new people. 
my only advice is really make it family time. You know, like we said, put down the phones, make it something you all agree with. Everyone be present for it because otherwise you're just watching TV and that's, you know, <laughs> you can, you can do that just any other night. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like we, we first, uh, I would say just try to make it an event and keep it fun. Right. Um, you know, and again, you know, there's something magical about it. This way of taking your family on some adventure to different places and times and experiences through the media of the, you know, through the media of the, of the moving image, you know, to, you know, you, to foster that spirit of wonder in your children is so meaningful to their development. And, and it can also strengthen the family bond at the same time. So it's, it is a great thing to, to try to integrate into your, your family life if you can. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, on my end, given my experience, <laughs> my takeaway is don't force it. You know, like if it's, yeah, if right. it's just becoming a headache because it really was for us, it was just more trouble than it was worth. Then, you know, just let it go <laughs> and then give it a try again in a few months. And I think, you know, we're sort of rounding that corner where we might be willing to uh, give it another shot. But I, I think we've learned about, you know, just having a, a few more guide rails in terms of what they can watch. And like, here are the three different types of documentaries you can watch until the youngest one is old enough to handle you know, some more content. But I think, you know, again, just, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you mm-hmm. need to have the FOMO that we did. And, and I think it's just a function of understanding where your child is at mentally and, and how much you can handle that. So um, that would be my takeaway. Well, we hope you found today's episode informative. If you'd like to support the podcast and hear more discussions around fatherhood, please subscribe and drop us a review. If you have any questions, hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash That's P-A-P-A-E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E. Thanks for listening.